Hello everyone, welcome back to Bite Marks, a podcast by gamers, for gamers, about politics. Big We're... games, little, little politics. <laughs> no, that's not the thing. We're, we're workshopping that one, folks. Um, welcome back, Callum. Uh, long time no see. Uh, and um, we're here to talk to you today about something that's very near and dear to both of us. Pre-made characters. Ooh. <laughs> so, Callum, why don't you introduce today's topic? Well, today's topic is a conversation about pre-made characters versus uh, custom-made characters or player-made characters. And basically, we're just going to be talking about, you know, which is better, the merits of both, and how they relate to one another. Because it's... I mean, Amelia, you would agree that uh, pre-made characters aren't above being customized. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, You can, for example... Let's see. Hmm... Okay, wait. Actually, I, I I have something for you. Uh, just off the top of your head, w- which would you say are your top, let's say, top, just pick the best one, uh, the most memorable video game character that, you know, you, you remember, and also the most iconic video game character that, you know, you have experience with, just like off the top oh. of your head. <laughs> Both memorable uh. and iconic, and they can't be the same person. I'm I'm having trouble remembering anyone, so none of them, I guess. Um, <laughs> wait, give me a second here. I would say the most memorable character that I can think of in terms of my brain capacity and lifespan, having played video games for a while, I'm not stalling, you're stalling. <laughs> um, yes? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to pick someone f- like fairly recent yeah. that is probably not the most memorable game character. Or oh, someone's revving their hog in the back of your <laughs> in the back of your room right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. The street where I'm on is uh notorious for its uh, <laughs> uh bad drivers. Uh let's be glad they aren't drag racing. Um <laughs> Are we going to cut this segment? No, I don't think so. I think that's funny. Um, uh, yeah, okay, fair. Oh, gosh. You know is what? It... Memorable is it would either be red from Pokemon, mm-hmm. from like Pokemon Leaf Green, Fire Red, Red and Blue, that stuff, or um, Zagreus. I think that's, I, I hope I'm remembering his name correctly. Zagreus. From the recent game, Zagreus, from the recent game, Hades. Hey, oh, Hades, man, I've heard such good things about Hades. So Yeah, it's really good, I've been playing it recently. Um, he's, he's got a very memorable design, and mm-hmm. he's written well, and he's voice acted well. And you know what, I'm going to throw in the third one there, Ooh. which is the nameless detective. I say nameless because you find out his name later, but it's a plot point in the game. From Disco, Disco Elysium. Elysium, yeah. The minute the minute you said, I, I was going to bring that up. Damn, <laughs> I have to choose a different one. Uh, okay, so for who my one of my most memorable characters, the character that I think of uh, is Dowd from the Dishonored series, who is only available for playing in a single DLC uh, for the first game. And yet, despite that, I think about him a lot, and I uh, think he's a very memorable character for a lot of reasons. 
but I don't think he's particularly iconic. I think most people will never really know who he is. A character yeah. who I think is very iconic, but not really memorable, uh, is Master Chief. <laughs> Everyone, every gamer just needs to see a vaguely green blob, uh, or vaguely angular blob, shall I say, and we can kind of intuit, oh, that's that's the Space Marine guy, you know? Um, yeah, that, that's the Master Chef. Yeah, that's <laughs> the Master Chef. He's, he's on, he's my parents' lover's show. Yeah, you know, uh, my favorite part in Halo is when uh, Master Chef battles uh, Mary Berry uh, <laughs> or, or Paul Hollywood uh, with a plasma rifle on mm. uh, on one of the maps. Uh, and there... leaves, a, leaves a preheated oven on, and that's why the planet exploded. Yeah, they gotta deduct points for that, Callum. Otherwise, the contestants will never learn. You know what? They didn't finish the fight. <sighs> they couldn't even finish the bake off. Um, <laughs> so the. The reason why I asked you that question and the reason why I asked you now with no prior warning is because it is a very difficult challenge to figure out who is memorable and who is, you know, iconic. And I think that really is a nice segue into our discussion today because I feel, and I'm going to come out strong here, I feel that uh, characters who are iconic can't be created uh, by the player. I don't think, and this is my strong opinion, and feel free to disagree, but I don't think a character who is created by the player like your master, your, um, I was going to say Master Chief, but uh, your Shepard from you know, Mass Effect, you know the guy from Dra- uh, Dragon Age, all of those kinds of, the, the RPG kinds Which of characters. One? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can make those characters uh, fairly uh, you know, iconic. Uh, I would argue... I have, it's... A, I have a point of information here, if the Thor will recognize me. The Thor will recognize you? The Dragonborn. Ah, the Dragonborn. Yes, him. Because he isn't himself iconic because he's whatever you make him to be, but you could make a symbol of what he does iconic, like the shouts or the um, really shitty iron helmet that you use once because and you then throw it, it away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, those kinds of pre made characters, I feel, are a lot more memorable, even if they might not necessarily be iconic. Uh, that's my hot take. Uh, Feel free to, 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 to disagree. Well, that's just the thing, isn't it? Is um, Think of some iconic characters like Link or Cloud Strife. Mario. Right? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say Mario. Not for, my, for this particular argument. But okay, I'm sure. saying Link and Cloud Strife, hmm. who are essentially emotionless and have no struggle of their own. Yes. Correct. I mean, Link and Cl- I haven't played Final Fantasy VII. But as far as I know, uh, Link and Cloud Strife, both their only struggles are the player's struggles, and they're the audience surrogate character. They're iconic. You know, you could say Cloud Strife to a gamer and they'd immediately think giant sword, spiky hair. If you show someone the Triforce, they'll instantly think of, oh, you know, they'll think of you know, Zelda yeah, or Link. Zelda, you know, that, that's that boy adventurer Zelda. But um, he's a lad in the pants. <laughs> they're iconic characters but they don't have a personality. Yeah, you... Okay, so, again, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this, but one of my favorite uh, Legend of Zelda games is Majora's Mask. And I don't really remember much about the actual Link in that Majora's Mask game. I remember a lot of the stuff around, you know, the story, but I don't really remember, uh, you know, Link himself. I feel like uh, it is a necessary limitation of making a character that you can insert yourself into uh, that you you can't really make them you know so memorable. Uh, mm. it, it, it it's sort of this problem with game design. Like uh, going back to something like you know Mass Effect or Dragon <laughs> Age, if you think 
let's say you, you have a character that has like two options, right? Uh, male or female, or me, no three, male, female, or maybe uh, non-binary, if you're Call of Duty these days, which is interesting. <laughs> commit war crimes and be, you know, LGBT, nice. But yeah, um, everyone can commit war crimes. Ronald Reagan supports your right to do war crimes, um, <laughs> but not your right to get healthcare, obviously. Um, and uh, if you just think about a, a small number of choices, and then you start to expand on like how meaningful those choices have to be, because the more freedom you have to design the character, uh, the more work it is for the developers to make those freedoms necessarily, you know, manifest in the game. Uh, how many? Stop, stop me if this is familiar. How many times have you played an RPG or? specifically a Bethesda RPG, and you made a choice that you thought was going to be impactful, and then no one ever talks about it. Like, for example, let's say you picked a perk that gave you, I don't know, smelly feet. And uh, you did this because, not because of a mechanical reason, you didn't want the plus one to uh, onion picking or whatever it was. You just wanted to have a guy who has smelly feet. And none of the NPCs in the world ever, you know, remarked. There's no voice line, hey, you've got smelly feet. <laughs> True, you know, you've got me there. I do. Okay, but um, when I think about pre-made characters as well, hmm. I mean, how many times have you played a game like God of War or The Witcher where you've done something huge and no one really talks about it still? Hmm. Ah. Hmm. If, well, yeah... It's interesting that you bring up God of War because I've played a lot of the God of Wars. I haven't played all of them, but I've played a little bit of the latest one, uh, the one that's on the the PS4. I think it is God the, of War. The, the console generations. They they are blurring together. Um, no, it's PS4. You, you got it right. Ah, PS4, nice. Um, that one, that guy has a lot of emotional baggage. Lots of people are, you know, he himself is very upset about all the things that he's done. Uh, but if you look at the other characters you know the other gods of war um they do a lot of stuff that no one ever seems to really talk about and they just go from set piece to set piece so it really it feels like even though he has a quote-unquote character that's been you know shaped by choices and stuff like that that the player didn't make right because i think the big choice here sorry the big difference is that a pre-made character has choices that the player did not choose right uh, that's kind of the operative thing um mm. and even though he has those 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 things they never really manifest so let me ask you this uh, would you say that is actually maybe a fault of the writing uh, and that uh, actually a pre-made character isn't necessarily um, more interesting as a story if they are stuck with, you know, say a bad writer? I am so glad you said that because I was about to bring that up. Ooh, okay. uh, but the building block of a pre-made character is scripted experiences. Hmm. We, you have to almost force the player into performing in a certain way so that they can... Uh, have a story section next that makes sense. However, I think that if the writing isn't good enough, it can totally destroy the immersion you have in trying to understand what this character is going through. I remember so many experiences from games where they've said like, um, but I thought you were my friend and not the bad guy. And I would sit back and go, he is so very clearly the bad guy. How could you not see that? Are you telling it, me La Sinestro the Sinister is not the bad guy? <gasps> uh, uh, he's wearing all black, Callum, and he's covered in blood. He's, I, it's a shock. I mean, that's not a big 
Uh, <laughs> that's not a good indicator in video games of being the bad guy. But I mean, if this teenage boy keeps talking about how, you know, the world is impure and he's like really good and he has pitch white hair. Oh, no. <laughs> and he stands by the ocean looking out, thinking about, you know, how much better he is in the world. And he has and a big you, sword. Yeah, you try and convince me that, oh, boy, he was the bad guy. Shocker, right? <laughs> so were you thinking of a specific example, you know, when you were saddled with a boring character? Um, because I have one. Um, the The Tomb Raider reboot, right? You know... Lara Croft has always had uh, trouble. Uh, bless you. Uh, Lara Croft has always had uh, trouble. Um, I think with characterization uh, in the early games. I think actually in some cases her character really shines through because she can be fairly um, confident and aware that she's in an action game. You know, she'll you know she'll say one-liners and things like that. But when they came up with the character design, when they storyboarded the new Lara Croft in the Tomb Raider reboot. Um, there's this weird cognitive dissonance where the game is like, you're not supposed to kill Lara. It's a psychological torture that you forced to take another human life. And then after doing that, after viciously knife fighting with an island hobo for like 20 minutes before you kill him and then Lara has a you know an emotional breakdown, the minute after that, the, the game will spawn like three other guys and you just gun them down, you know? Uh, and Lara will never comment about that at all. And yeah. Yeah, it, they want to have you be. Oh, I I have this, you know, this character arc. I have this. We're tailor making, you know, your player experience, and then they go and do something like that. That's just, it's it's mind boggling, really, because it seems like they're working at cross purposes, uh, almost in a way. You know, uh, here's a place that you could argue that a character creation, or at least more more agency, more player agency, might actually be able to, you know, swing it. Because if the game gave you an option to just brutally murder the hobo, you know press uh, X to brutally murder, then it wouldn't be a surprise that you would then brutally murder three other guys who just showed up, you know, looking for their friend. Um, but Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember um, there's a game called Satsun uh, Sacrifice or something like that where you, you have to go into Nordic Hell to rescue your boyfriend. I Wait, I is that Hellblade Senua Sacrifice? Yeah, that that's the one. Yes, that, and, that game. Uh, a friend of mine loves it and talks about it to me a lot. And he says he was talking about how the uh, the save system works, where it like deletes your save if you die too many times. Oh no! And from a mechanical standpoint, that is tremendously bad. That is a oh, terrible, terrible decision. Um, but from a story uh, standpoint, when you have this like this character who's so f wrecked with um, mental anguish and, you know, mental disorders, having all of your progress deleted after too many setbacks is completely in line and a good story decision. And apparently it doesn't even do that. It just, like, tricks you into thinking that all of your progress has been deleted. That's, and my, <laughs> that's awful. It, it's like that scene in um, Undertale at the end where you fight the final boss for the first time and he closes your game. Ah, yeah, the, the meta game stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm torn as to whether or not I think that's actually good or bad game design because I can very easily see that being incredibly frustrating. Um, 
I'm not terribly fond of too many meta game experiences where you know uh, you one minute you're playing an anime uh, visual novel and then the next thing you have to dig through your in-game uh, your in-computer like on your actual desktop files to find something you know because the game uh, is like aha I'm gonna spook you with this I'm gonna fiddle with your game files and it's like well, well I, I don't know um, maybe I'm a bit of a funny daddy but I like my games no, to I, stay games. I, I get it. I don't think that um, Heartbeat, Heartbeat Literature Society uh, really earned that in the same way that Undertale did. Oh, but yeah. I think that it, it is an interesting idea that you have to do things like that. But getting back to um, pre-maiden character creation, I want to ask you, have you ever played a game where you thought, if I could have made my own character, I would have enjoyed this much more? Ooh, okay. That's an interesting question. Um, hmm. Hmm, if I could make my own character. So, like, if I could do an RPG, in instead of being, oh, here's Master Chief in space, it could be, here's the character creation screen for Master Chief in space. Is that what yeah. you're, is that what you're asking? Yeah, if, if you could, well, if you could, like, set out on your own story, or a companion game came out where you could just interact with the world as your own character, ah. would you... Have you ever played a game where you thought that was that would have been the thing that improved it? No, no, I can't really say that I have, but I've definitely encountered the opposite. Uh, I've definitely encountered the opposite, if you'll put, permit me, of course. Um, when I when I talked about Dowd earlier, right? Uh, Dowd is the DLC character to an actual whole separate game, Dishonored One, and uh, Arcane uh, Arcane Studios. They're a pretty interesting studio. They make a lot of immersive sim games. Um, and I played Dishonored 1, and the entire time I thought, okay, yeah, this is a cool game. I, I get to do the, the the stealth. I get to pretend to be a thief. I get to throw rats at people and watch them scream as they as they flee <laughs> for their lives. Um, <laughs> I didn't kill anyone, mind you, so I have no blood on my hands. But um, You literally get to make rats eat the rich. Oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> We we have to do an episode on Arcane actually because they they have this weird. Uh, I played all of almost all of their games, so I, we have to do an episode. But uh, you'd have to send me a list of which games they made other than Dishonored. I I, I will tell you uh, afterwards. But um, the the thing that strikes me the most about uh, Dishonored is that the character Corvo is a is one of these uh, blank slate characters, right? Uh, he doesn't really have a history really prior to the player. Uh, taking control, and um, you are supposed to be, this is your Corvo. You, uh, Corvo, you get to play him as the crazy assassin, bloodthirsty murder guy, or the sneaky ninja, I've never even been seen by anyone else, you know, kind of guy. And to their credit, of course, the game does give you quite a bit of uh, feedback to whether or not you're doing things. Like, for example, if you decide to kill everyone, people will be visibly freaked out by the fact that you killed everyone. However, I yeah. played the DLC, and I can remember almost all of the DLC very crystal clear because the character, Dowd, has a character, right? Corvo has no major decisions that he's made. In fact, the plot of the game is actually picked up by Dowd because, you know, spoilers for Dishonored, Dowd is the one who kills the Empress in the beginning. And when you play the DLC, he has come to regret the thing that he has done. And the entire DLC is you grappling with that decision of whether or not he feels like he earns his redemption. Because from that moment on, you can decide, oh, I've killed this lady, I feel so much guilt, I shouldn't kill again. Or, I've already killed her, I can keep killing. 
And when Dowd grapples with his inner morality, you get the feeling that he has actually something to lose, that he has a sense of himself that he's actually throwing away when he plunges the knife into another guard uh, who happened to linger uh, too long by the gate, you know? And yeah. I kept thinking the entire time, I want more of this in the first game because Dowd has choices that he's made that I have to grapple with. And that forces me into more interesting conflicts than Corvo, who has made no choices and I get to make fresh choices. And yeah, sure, you know, the characters will do their thing, but I don't get to really feel that I'm really nudging them, you know, in a direction or I'm changing their opinion of me or, you know, stuff like that. I always feel like I'm experiencing this for the first time. And I always thought more of this. And lo and behold, they do introduce more of that in the second game. The second game yeah. does have more of the things that uh, made Dowd so interesting, you know, to play. I would and, say that's that's probably why more people picked um, Emilia in the second game rather than Corvo. Besides the fact that she has just better powers. <laughs> I mean, if, if I recall correctly, her blink in that game uh, reaches about a foot further than Corvo's does. The shadow hand, yeah. Yeah, um, I actually, but, I actually play the game with no powers, so I, I can't comment. <laughs> really? Yeah. How I, on, why do you play this game without powers? That's like the whole point. It's a very interesting experience to navigate a world that is designed for someone with powers with no powers. So I'm just running around sneaking, like I'm playing an old thief game, <laughs> uh, not using so any powers. Long. I beat the. I think I beat the game in uh, maybe uh, 10, 12 hours. So you know so those. Those games are a great morality test for me because I, even though I do get powers, I, uh, and I decide to myself, like, I'm just going to go full on crazy psychotic mode this, this run. I always end up defaulting back to, no, I'm just going to knock them out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've never killed anyone in a Dishonored game and I've played all of them. <laughs> and I, I can never bring myself to kill someone because, again, you know, this is coming back to the pre made versus custom character where you have a character who talks about taking lives, where they talk about the experiences of other people and you know their experience with killing, like for example, with Dowd. Uh, I feel much more of a connection to the act of them killing than I would if I had just had the freedom to create my own character because you know, I don't feel like I'm losing anything when I kill, if, I, if I had to kill someone you know, in a, playing as a Corvo or whatever. But I do feel I would be losing something. I, I would feel like there's an inner monologue that I'd have with doubt about whether or not taking this life is necessary or whether or not there was another way. Um, it is quite telling, of course, because <laughs> you and I, we're the weirdos. We play the game by not, you know, killing people. Um, yeah, we're, we're not normal assassins. <laughs> and it's quite telling that uh, Arcane's latest game, Deathloop, does not have non-lethal options. Um, the studio made a statement saying that they felt that the choice between killing people and not killing people results in too much moral moral complexity. And so, okay, now you can just go wild and there's no option to non-lethally kill people. You just, uh, you just, you just go loose uh, with your guns and just unload on, on the enemies. But that's dumb, though. And I'm going to say, by jumping back to Dishonored for a second, um, one of the things that I love about Corvo as an audience surrogate is the turmoil I feel mm. when it comes to killing people like in in this game where i have the choice not to because it's not that it's like a a black and white you know am i gonna kill this person or not kill this person which one gives me more points kind of deal if you pay attention during corvo's story you find out that the not killing them option isn't better i mean there's one section where you have to get into a bordello and kidnap these two brothers 
And if you just knock them the out and then and deliver twins. them, yeah, if you deliver them to this um, gang leader, he cuts off their hair and cuts out their tongues and sends, sends them into the slave mine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it stops being the options are kill or not kill. It's can I kill someone or can I condemn them to this to incredibly death, worst life? Yeah. I think uh, the the mission after that is also bad because uh, you have to deal with Lady Boyle. Oh, yeah, and you have to give her to that creepy dude. (laughs) So it's either stab her to death in her own house or give her to a clearly creepy stalker who is definitely not going to lock her up in a dungeon somewhere. Um, I love the idea. It's almost like this um, fake, like, morality that mm. you have to put out where you can say, no, but I didn't kill them. Mm. They might die, but I, I didn't kill them. I just want to say that in the books, uh, the Lady Royal actually canonically does escape. Uh, she swindles that guy out of his fortune and uh, ends up a rich person. So maybe killing her was the more <laughs> justified option. Oofa <laughs> <laughs> doofa. Oops. Um, but oh. actually, that's a that's an what interesting. You... Oh yeah. No, uh, what were you going to say? Saying? Oh yeah. Uh, it's an interesting point that you bring up. You know that you're injecting your own morality. Because I feel that the strength, because I do think there are places for custom characters, and I feel the strength of it is when you have a compelling narrative that forces you to make those decisions for yourself, right? Um, I feel like where custom characters fail as a concept uh, is where where they fail to A, give player feedback on the choices that they're making, and B, give them decisions that actually feel like decisions. And I feel like maybe Dishonored is cheating because I feel it does both. It gives you plenty of feedback for the choices that you make. And it also gives you plenty of things to think about, about whether or not these choices are good. Um, Okay. But but, can I say this uh, in response? So, Infamous is a game series that I hold very close to my heart. And you get saddled with Cole McGrath. That's the one with the. Is, that's the one where you have the powers, right? You're the superhero. You have lightning. Uh, basically, a bomb explodes in Manhattan or fake New York, and <laughs> it's a special kind of science fiction bomb ah. that uh, kills everyone except people who are born with a gene for superpowers, and then basically sucks all their energy into you to activate that gene. Wow. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've read this X-Men comic, but okay, go on. Yeah. Um, And Cole McGrath is pretty boring. Gotta say. And the worst part is the world around him. Does he look like a generic video game white dude? Like, he's got a strong jaw and a shaved head. Oh, no. (laughs) He's got a tracksuit on. Oh, no. It's crazy that he's Irish, because if they told me he was perfect, (laughs) I would have just accepted it. Um, (laughs) But you see, the thing is, the world of um i almost said dishonored the world of infamous Infamous is very interesting Hmm. in the first game because of the way you interact with it you know you try and capture the city and change it either into depending on whether you're being good or bad you change it into like your death camps or your uh sunshine valleys of eternal peace Hmm. but the fact is you're in a city and you're getting around by like skating on um these phone lines and you're climbing buildings and you're doing all of these cool electrical powers that reward you for skill and everything. So the world is just so much fun to interact with that it becomes a chore when the story comes around Mm. and sort of breaks that up. And the second game that was worse because they somehow improved every character around Cole to be these interesting, creative, dynamic people 
And the fact is, you're playing as the most boring person in an interesting world. Your superpower is actually being the most boring person in a comic book. That that yeah. takes that takes skill. Um, and then, it, okay, I'm gonna. Yeah. I have just one more point. I yes. promise. Yeah. And then Infamous Three comes around. Infamous Second Son. Oh no! And I hate the naming convention already. It goes in the exact opposite direction of giving you um, a Native American teenager Ooh, who, okay. who just loves spray painting shit. Fair. Okay. And his village gets like attacked. Well, not his village. His, his it's his hamlet. His like tiny fishing town gets attacked by this lady, uh, who is part of an organization that takes down these conduits or these superhero mm-hmm. people. So the superhero DOS force, basically. Yeah. And you go throughout this world, and they come up with the worst characters I have ever had the displeasure of meeting. Mm-hmm. Like they're all tropes, oh, no. including including a gamer. Uh, who is a ch- a neck beard chode nerd? Oh no, gamers need to rise up. Who summons game characters? And all I was thinking while I was playing that game is, you know what I wanted is a game where I could interact with this world with cool superpowers and make my own character uh. and have my own decisions. Because all I'm thinking while I'm playing is this awful teenager who is just a shit person all around is that if I was in this situation, I would be like a character that was a facsimile of me. I would be having so much more fun. Hmm. Interesting. Or if I got... Well, that sounds very narcissistic. If I got to play as anyone else, if you let me play as an orc <laughs> in Infamous Second Son, I would have a blast. You know what uh, Infinity War needed? It needed more orcs, uh, honestly. Yeah, uh, when where, they didn't, where are my orcs, fam? Yeah, when they didn't open, uh, when they didn't open a portal to uh, Draenor and you know summon the Horde, that was a real missed opportunity for Marvel. I can't um, believe you just cited Draenor. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know when they didn't go to Kalidor. Uh, it's been too long since I played any Warcraft properties, Callum. I'm an Gosh. old man. Um, but it it that's so weird, you know. Uh, do you, do you think that it is the the fact that the character has powers? Or, or maybe, let me turn the script on you. I think specifically one of the problems with making a superhero game is invariably everyone has their own superhero fantasy. And uh, I feel like many people would prefer to have their own superhero doing all the superhero things. You know, their guy, Captain uh, Ninja Gun, uh, rather than you know uh, a pre-made character that you know they 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 have those stories you know for it uh, already, um, do you think that's true? Is it specifically something to infamous and what sounds like terrible writing or? Well, I would I would I have two points against that. Hmm. Um, one is that a game that I think had pretty good writing was Assassin's Creed Two, the Ezio one. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that, um, but the thought that always ran through my mind while I was playing those Assassin's Creed games is, if this was real, you know, mm. would I have any um, assassin ancestors? You know, who would they be? What would their story be like? Mm. And a great uh, thing that they did in Assassin's Creed 4 that some people were kind of off on is that the future person segment, before you go into the Animus, uh, was just like a nameless, faceless dude who was just ah. accessing Desmond's memories. So no personality, no actual ancestor, or 
Yeah, but if we could do that and have like um not necessarily multiplayer, mm. but like an RPG. I I in my spare time designed the concept for a a game for Assassin's Creed where you are in an office situation like that or working with the assassins or whatever, and you design a new assassin for like three different time periods and you mm. play through each time period to unlock the next one. Ah. That would have been so much more fun than going through ancient Egypt to get more loot boxes. Ah, yeah. To be the best warrior that you can be because everyone else picked mage. Ah, that's a very interesting point. And I have, I have two things to throw back to you in our game of uh, Discord tennis. Uh, <laughs> Firstly, uh, that sounds a lot like the game, I think it's Lineage or something like that. There are plenty of RPGs that toy with the idea of, oh, you're not just one character, you're multiple characters. And when your character dies, you know, you get to tell a different story. I really actually like that idea. Uh, I might Hmm. be weird. I would probably play like an Assassin's Creed simulator, like manager game, where you create the assassins and you you fiddle with them in like the Assassin's Inc. And then you get to put them in different historical periods and I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, uh, but <laughs> that is literally talking about the most boring part of Brotherhood <laughs> from that game on. <laughs> yeah, I okay, yeah. You're you're talking to a man who played Dishonored two with not using any powers. I didn't. I when the outsider was like, "Come give me, come choose your powers, Corvo." I was like, "Ah, nah, I'm good." Um, <laughs> I choose bureaucracy. <laughs> that's the worst Pokemon game. Uh, the one that's coming out after whatever the current one is. But the second point, you know, you talked about loot boxes, and I, I actually have a very relevant example uh, to this this discussion. Uh, I, I want to shift the gear from talking about our favorite, you know, video game uh, waifus and hus- husbandos uh, to talking about their, uh, their their guns, right? Um, have you played Dead Space? I have seen Dead Space. I have not ever touched it. I I don't get within spitting distance of horror. Okay, maybe that explains why I'm such a weird person, because I love horror games, and uh, Dead Space 1 uh, ranks pretty highly in one of my favorite games. It, okay. it does, A, you've got a diegetic uh, in, uh, interface, so you know everything that you need to see, you can see on Isaac, you know, his health, all the guns, their, their ammo is like on the gun, and it's really cool. Uh, and it really immerses <laughs> you in the idea that, oh, you're just an engineer, you know? Uh, but something that's really interesting about Dead Space, uh, is that the guns are all purposely, or at least in Dead Space 1 and 2, the guns are all purposely designed as mining equipment first, except for one exception, which is an actual gun. But the, the majority of the weapons are mining tools, right? And you can see what they are used for in mining, right? Oh, you know, this is used for cutting in you know, a rock. That's used for sending survey probes, you know, da 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 yeah. By being in Dead Space, where you have to fight the necromorphs, who are uh, zombies, but you have to dismember them, uh, you are forced to now, okay, well, now I have to use these tools in a way that they weren't designed, and now you can start to get character and sort of feedback. But Dead Space 3 doesn't do that, Callum. Dead Space 3 has a different system. Do you want to guess what it is? Is it is it crafting? Ding, ding, ding. You win a prize. Oh, uh, no. Terrible. The, no- the knowledge of what's going to come is your prize. I want this prize. Uh, too late, Callum, too late. Yes, Dead Space 3 has a crafting system. So they decided that instead of uh, Isaac... um, Well, Isaac is an engineer, right? So in some sense, it does make a little bit sense. Oh, Isaac is an engineer, so he can fiddle with things and, you know, make stuff. 
Uh, and you do a lot of that in Dead Space too, where you are jury rigging, you know, devices and you're pulling, you know, parts and stuff like that. I think in the beginning of the game, you improvise a, 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 a technology by ripping it out of a, 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 a medical device, right? You need something, I think it's the stasis module, which is like, you can freeze objects in space. And yeah, there is one of that in the environment and you just take it out of the machine and you repurpose it for yourself. That's good engineering, right? That's an actual example. But here, yeah. you have a crafting system where the game is like, here's uh, gun part number one, gun part number two, and gun oh, part 50 God. bajillion. And you get to, I kid you not, just mash these parts together into a visually incoherent mess that usually ends with every player character, at least you know, in my experience, duct taping the shotgun to the shotgun. <laughs> we cannot, we cannot get away from crafting mechanics. Survival <laughs> games have have infected the entire world. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we just like Tim Curry said, you know, we have to go to the one place that's untouched by crafting mechanics. But it turns out space has already got crafting mechanics. Space. <laughs> um. Yeah, so it actually, so it, it, it goes deeper than that, Callum, you know, because every gun feels really kind of samey because they uh, give you, quote unquote, options, because they give you the freedom to make any kind of gun that you want. You can, you know, you can duct tape a, uh, a machine gun to a shotgun, right? But in practice, that doesn't do anything really for you because you can't carry as much ammo, you know, for either. So generally speaking, you, you just have a limited combination, like... There are eight possible combinations of, of weapons that you have in Dead Space 2. You only have really four options. You know, you can only have four kinds of guns available at any one time. And chances are you'll probably have two machine guns and maybe one of special weapons. You don't have the variety. You don't have interesting weapons that are telling you a story about the environment, about the world. Oh, Isaac has this mining tool. They use it for doing whatever. I guess I'm going to shoot big spikes through people now because this is a horror game and that's just what we have to do in horror games. Because <laughs> the inter- the eternal singularity point of horror is Hellraiser. You're making your own Hellraisers. Oh, you, you have no idea how right you are. At the end of that game, spoilers for Dead Space 2, there's a, a moment where you have to have a battle inside your own mind and fight your, uh, fight your ex-girlfriend, I think it is. Okay, for me, this was a spoiler for Hellraiser. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. <laughs> and then uh, and then you shoot a guy with one of these spike guns, and it spikes him in the head, and it's really horrific. It's actually quite gory. <laughs> and actually, one of the most infamous parts, I think, about Dead Space 2 is the scene where you have to sit in the machine and manually guide a needle into your own eye in in horrific detail. Uh, yeah, that, that Dead Space 2 takes a lot of cues from, from Hellraiser. Jumping junkies, Batman. And you ca- it's so easy to fail, Callum. That's the worst part. You have to carefully move the mouse, like, little by little. Oh, otherwise, no. I- otherwise I- Isaac will just literally just put the pedal to the metal like an inexperienced driver <laughs> on his driver's end test and just jam the needle into his eye and then scream at you while he bleeds out on the table. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking of this, like, MIT sanctions phd wielding like engineering major who is who has gotten a job on the spaceport he's the top of his class he's very smart he can jury rig guns on his own and he's just going around headbutting needles <laughs> it isaac is really smart but he's also really dumb and if that hasn't described every engineer that i've ever met um that's <laughs> maybe the perfect uh description wow i have lots of engineering friends and to all of them i say if you're listening 
go do your homework, but I love you. Uh, if, if you're in one of my classes, yeah, please do your homework. Um, but the... If you're in one of his glass, classes, don't. Play Dead Space. He'll talk to you <laughs> for hours about it. This isn't even a, this isn't even a podcast anymore. He's holding, holding me at gunpoint of the internet. <laughs> Speaking of holding you at gunpoint, uh, oh, do you want to know how they make the crafting system worse? Uh, tell me. Microtransactions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you see, Callum, uh, it turns out that in the in the future space where there are guns that you can duct tape to other guns, uh, you don't actually have enough resources to really do a lot of stuff. You get this little bot late, late, actually fairly late into the game that you use to scavenge for resources. But guess what? It takes time. And you could just buy a bot, Callum. You could just buy the bot and have it scavenge for you. And then you could just buy the resources. And, you know, if you buy this resource pack, you're guaranteed to get a uh, gun barrel number 37 that has 50% more gun gun damage, you know? And it, it, whenever, it's... whenever you talk to me like that, it sounds like you have a trench coat on and you've got like a neck, a fake neck beard on and a fedora and you're standing underneath an overpass and you're like opening the trench coat and you're like, buy a loot box, kid. Do you want a loot box? You can get to the next level real quick. <laughs> the worst part is the loot boxes aren't really that helpful because Dead Space 3 isn't even that difficult. Um, it really isn't. Um, there are so many bizarre decisions in, in Dead Space. Like, uh, you know, they, they have this weird asymmetrical co-op, which honestly deserves its own video, where... Only certain parts of the game are unexperienceable with co-op. You have to have a co-op person to play with you, otherwise you can't experience it. And then when you do that, one of you will hallucinate something while the other person won't. So you have to be there on a Discord call telling your friend that the pile of dead bodies that he's looking at is actually a giant birthday cake and he's at Timmy's birthday party instead of uh, random trash converter you know, uh, in a space station. I've had a dream like that. Yeah, me too, actually. It's surprisingly more common than you might think. <laughs> okay, that is surprising. Um, so I've the completely lost track of where <laughs> we were going with this. Yeah, so the, the, the thing for me, actually, I think that really hammers this home. Because I've been racking my brains trying to think about Dead Space 3. Because I really like Dead Space 1. Dead Space 2 is not as scary, but it has tense moments, right? There is an enemy in the game that is objectively, in my opinion, the scariest enemy in the game. And that is the zombie raptor. Uh, where you, it, yeah, no joke. They made like a, a zombie necromorph dinosaur creature that is capable of popping out of cover like a raptor does. It makes these weird dinosaur noises and then they just charge at you in a, like a group hunt pack. Uh, and it, it, it's a really tense moment and it, it's actually generally terrifying. But Dead Space 3 just goes wrong in so many directions. Now, of course, we could we could put on our gamer hats and be like, EA bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, EA bad, obviously. But <laughs> bad. That's the new tagline for this podcast. <laughs> you know, that's that's how we get invited to the gamer, the indie game awards. We just go up there and we just our acceptance speech is just EA bad, and the cl- crowd loses their minds. <laughs> um, but you were saying, yeah, it, it, yeah, well, Necoraptors, but Dead Space Three is just it, it's trying to give you all of these choices, right? From a game design perspective, from a character perspective, Isaac is worse than he's ever been. Uh, the entire plot of Dead Space 3 is a, a love triangle in space between Isaac, a nerd, Ellie, his girlfriend, but now ex-girlfriend from the last game, and her jock, 
military douchebag boyfriend and it, it, it's insane right it, it's really asinine but the gameplay really just hammers it home it makes this weird discordant experience because they're giving you all this freedom but in the end it it really is just it, taking it away all the enjoyment matter. oh oh yeah uh, i walked into that one <laughs> um well played so okay but can i can i hit you with a point real quick Sure. Because we, we seem to be on a thing where we're talking about our favorite games. Um, one of my favorite games ever, hmm. and I mean ever, is Fable 2. Ooh, yeah. I, Fable, Fable 2. 2 does not have good writing. Yep, I would agree. Not really. Like, there's some points of the game where I could argue is, <laughs> is interesting. Like, I really like the character of Reva because hmm. he's just completely amoral. He's a douchebag. Really charming. But um, there's just so much of the game that is poorly written. But I love it because it is an experience where you can build a character that still interacts with the world with motivations and desires and everything. But you can build them to be whoever you want. Mm. An experience I like to do with all of the Fable games is um, I tend to make three saves and then invest in every different thing separately. So I go for will and uh, skill and strength in three different saves to see how it affects the character. Hmm. And it's always it always brings out an interesting result. But I would say that the fact that I'm so attached to my character because I have I have spent so much time, you know, choosing what he wears, uh, deciding how he styles his hair, how he talks to people. Uh, literally ex- putting my experience into changing how he looks physically as the game progresses, I don't even care about the bad writing. I still feel like I've accomplished things when I finish the game. So but, let me... Uh, another, sorry. I know, well, I was just going to ask you. So do you... Let me, say what you want, were going to say, and then I'll hit you back with another point. Well, another game that I played recently was um, Ari and the Secret of the Seasons something mm. like that i played it for a review and i ended up hating it ah. because it's also poorly written but the thing is i quite liked the main character ari when she was first introduced to me because she's of a, a, like a girl who wants to you know get out there and adventure and everything and her brother's missing so she has a clear motivation you know she's not written like a, a badass action lady who's basically just a man but a lady mm-hmm. And she has like emotions and and drive and everything, and she's brave and it's cute. It's very Disney. But okay, yeah, sure. As the game progresses, it's so poorly written that I lose all interest. Finishing that game didn't feel like I was accomplishing anything other than getting out of hell. <laughs> uh, and then you went and played Hades. Yeah, and then I went to play Hades, and I found out that hell's actually pretty hot. So. <laughs> God, I, I'm, we, I also need. We need to make an episode where I can just simp over every character in Hades. Yeah, I think we do need to do that. I need to have an. Ep- I need to have an episode where I talk about all of Dishonored, and you need to have an episode where you talk all, about all of Hades. Uh, <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that'll be one of our Patreon uh, bonus episodes. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want that, uh, join our Patreon and vote below to get us to just. Talk about what we like to gush over games for half an hour each. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a fitting uh, a bonus reward. Or you can get bloopers. I think we probably have bloopers. 
Um, oh yeah, we're definitely releasing unedited versions of these videos because we we go off on tangents. Yes, some of them food related actually. Um, but to, to swing everything back, I think one of the problems that I I think a trend that has kind of crept crept into the gaming industry, I think, is the tendency because you see here's the thing. Player customization, as you pointed out, can make you invested in a story even when the writing is bad because you are obviously invested in yourself. And if you're put into a story, you know, even if it's the worst story in the world, you're going to still feel, hey, you know, I've got some attachment to this. I have some stake. You know, you can disguise fairly bad gameplay or, you know, a bad story by having the player, you know, feel like I'm there, you know, I'm doing the things. That's why um, uh, cutscenes that can render custom-made characters is such an important thing, right? Because, oh, yeah. now now it's not just, you know, a grizzled space marine dude, but now it's my grizzled space marine dude. And he's wearing the Hello Kitty armor that I spent hours customizing. Oh, I want that so badly. Okay, uh, I'm going to slap back at you with this. Would you say that an iconic character like Mario is well-written? Hmm... Okay, now I have to make sure that the Nintendo police are not listening to this. Um, otherwise, because by your logic, I mean you could self-insert a character into the worst stories, and it could still feel attached. So many people are attached to Mario, but I would argue that Mario has no writing. Yeah, I, I would. I would say the same. I don't think Mario is well written at all, simply because he has no writing. Um, the only times I've ever seen Mario have a personality is in like some of the weird outside games that are not like Mario centric, like um, I think in one, of, in, in one of the Mar yeah, Paper Mario, but one moment comes to mind in uh, one of the uh, Mario Party games. If Luigi beats you, then Mario will step on his foot or rub his foot into the dirt or something because he's upset that he lost. And that is like the only time I've ever seen Mario have a, a character, you know, uh, outside yeah. of like a Paper Mario game. And uh, yeah, Actually, you know, I, I would totally agree. I wanted to mention before that the only Link from any Zelda game that I've ever seen have a personality is Wind Waker, when his sister is kidnapped and it's that weird cel-shaded thing and he's like has all these tiny little actions and facial expressions that give him so much more personality. And people hated that game when it came out. People don't know what they want, Callum. Uh, let's, let's be honest. Uh, people don't know what they want. Um, they don't. They don't want uh, Master Chief to be wearing a Hello Kitty armor. They don't want uh, the next GTA to take place in Lordron. Uh, <laughs> they. When am I gonna get GTA Gondor? Uh, I I want that. G <laughs> Lord of the Rings, but it, Rings is spelled with a Z. And uh, yeah, and in game. <laughs> oh man, that would be so much fun. Um, but yeah, to, to keep, I have to keep steering back this fun ship back into the, the terrible darkness. Um, but yeah, I've seen this trend where a lot of customization, uh, a lot of customization, a lot of quote-unquote player freedom has really just been an excuse to disguise and sneak in, to Trojan horse in, if you will, uh, monetization schemes that are meant to uh, milk you for money. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I've I've seen so many games where you get offered not necessarily like the best stuff through loot boxes, but like the most unique looking. Hmm. And I I don't know how to feel about the games industry really because I feel in some sense it's kind of an inevitability. Um, lots of players 
you know, back in the day, most of the characters that we had in games were blank slate characters with very little personality that you had to interject, you know, all of your, you know, your feeling into. Uh, I did a video on Gordon Freeman uh, and talking about, you know, how Gordon Freeman can be played uh, as a sociopath who goes around killing people or as a generally a sort of nice dude. But there's no real characterization there, you know. He's a silent protagonist. Yeah, that's all just you reading into it. Yeah, you're not that, actually that's the doing story the you invent for him. Exactly. And uh, over time, lots there have been people who, you know, sort of these voices that have been pushing, hey, you know, we want story, you know, characters with story. And gradually, every kind of game, at least in the sort of the mainstream sense, at least before live services came along, tried to have, oh, you know, we have a, new, a story and da 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 And now, now we're saying, well... We've kind of done a 180. Now you can have your custom Snowflake character, but now it's really just an excuse to sell you uh, stuff that makes you more of a Snowflake than all of the other Snowflakes. And that's kind of horrifying to me. Well, we we are reaching towards the end of our time here, but I want to bring up one more thing before we we go off. We talked a bit earlier about iconic characters, and we mentioned one of the most iconic characters, Mario. Hmm. What about another iconic character that has oodles of personality? How about Sonic? Oh my gosh, you're right. Uh, Sonic has a I lot mean, more personality than Mario does. Sonic is was made to have a personality. Person. He was meant and, to be a rad dude. Yeah, he's a rad dude with a mean dude. But <sighs> the thing is, who is the more popular character? Mario. Do, do people want personality? Like Ooh, that that's a good question. And I feel so like that, uh, I feel like there are a bajillion Mario fans because Mario games tend to be good, and there are like ten Sonic fans who are buying all the games, writing all the fan fictions, <laughs> and really into it. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say I am a Sonic fan. <sighs> I, I have enjoyed my, my days with the Sonics. I like Sonic too, uh, a lot. Um, I like I like Super Speed. Super yeah. Speed's a cool power. And, and Sonic Mania, I think, is actually pretty good. I, yeah, Sonic just has, you know, a personality. When 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 he's doing an idle animation, he looks at the screen as if, hey, you know, are you going to go fast or am I just going to stand here? You know, Mario doesn't really do yeah, much Mario, of anything. Mario's idle personality is hands by his side, like, breathing heavily. Yeah. One last point before we have to go. I f- and, and this will probably be the setup maybe for the, the next podcast, but I feel like... On the other side of this whole, uh, you know, rush to make everyone, you know, buy your your snowflake powers, there's also this corporatization of like characters, where instead of being uh, a, a, a bold and trying to take a risk with a character, many studios um, try to sand down their characters into the least offensive, most marketable, most workshopped kind of person, and all that ends up doing is making someone that no one likes, no one relates to, and uh, no one finds memorable. Yeah, and that, that also seems to be a big problem on the other side of the, you know the spectrum. Exactly. Uh, so I I I'm gonna turn to the audience now as we we start waving our last goodbyes, um, and say, who do you think is not right? We weren't exactly arguing with each other, but which do you think is the the best one? Pre-made characters with all of their faults and bad writing potential, and the fact that you might not like them, driving the story onwards. Or custom-made characters who may just be homogenized blank messes. Do you think characters with lots of personality are 
a good idea? Do you think characters with little personality that you connect to are the best way to go? What do you think? Please let us know in the comments down below. And uh, also, uh, rhymed. Uh, also, do mention who managed to win between Callum and I. I would be interested in, in knowing that. Um, yeah, who won in this not an argument? <laughs> who's right. winning our marriage? Um, so, uh, I'm Emilio. I'm the one who's talking. Uh, I'm, I'm Callum. I'm the one who's not. <laughs> uh, you can check out Callum's uh, channel, Grim Monolith. It's in the uh, link in the description uh, below. Uh, subscribe to uh, Bite Marks. Uh, share this podcast with your friends. We are on Spotify and probably wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and we will be setting up a Patreon pretty soon. So when that happens, we'll let you guys know. Please check it out and share that as well. Yes. We need to eat. Uh, we Unfortunately, uh, we do have to put a PS5 on business expenses. And yeah, we we need to we need to experience the next generation of gaming, guys. It's for our job, please. <laughs> and uh, with that, that's been Bite Marks. Uh, bye, everyone. <laughs>